West of Twin Peaks Radio back again on today's show, a different perspective of the Bay Area music scene through the eyes of a label founder, booking agent, and venue manager. But of course, it's still all about the music. This is West of Twin Peaks Radio with MJ Call on the Lost Church Free Radio, San Francisco. As a young girl, Louis Vuitton. Hello, hello, hello. MJ coming at you from San Francisco again with two hours of brand new music and a guest artist with a twist. Today I welcome Mickey Darius, owner-founder of Broken Clover Records, as well as the Ivy Booking Agency, as well as general manager of the Lost Church. We have a great chat about the business of the music business and play tons of tunes from his stable of artists from the Bay and beyond coming up in my second hour. But first, a full hour of fresh tunes starting off with the Montreal-based indie rock band led by singer-guitarist Elizabeth Powell, known as Land of Talk. This is off their most recent LP, Calming Night Partner. It's called Moment Feed.
your sister's boyfriend songs, all of which center around the themes of coping with the daily chaos of life in these pandemic and political times. You just heard Brooklyn's Wilder Maker off their new LP, Male Models, and a track called Letter of Apology, which they call, quote, a hooky pop song about apocalyptic depression. I also played German artist Albertine Sarges and her new single, Bird's Life, which she says is her personal take on soul music straight out of the darkness of the Berlin winter. Before that, 
Angel of Business, a song off the new introspective sophomore album from Brooklyn's Grace Ives called Janky Star. And I started the set and the show off with the song Moment Free Feed from Canadian band Land of Talk. This is MJ. Thanks so much for tuning in to West of Twin Peaks Radio today here on Lost Church Free Radio. My guest artist today is local music industry man of many hats, Mickey Darius. Our terrific conversation and dive into his labels artists is coming up in my second hour. But now let's drive right back into new music from rising solo artist Steve Lacey. He's a key member of the band The Internet from L.A. and has collaborated with artists from Tyler the Creator to Vampire Weekend. He's releasing his second solo EP this summer, and here's a pre-release single from it called Mercury.
instead I do as I please and you see where it led Yeah, something bad ain't about to happen to me You think I'm two-faced, I can name 23 
That's new music from British electronic music duo known as Jungle and a new single called Good Times. They're currently working on their fourth LP and will be appearing at the first Portola Music Festival coming to San Francisco in late September. Before that, you heard the retro soul sound of Danielle Ponder and her new single, The Only Way Out. And I started that block off of music with Steve Lacey and the song Mercury. Underneath me right now, you're hearing the Tex-Mex psychedelic stylings of Adrian Quesada and Ilo Seco featuring Mark Ribot and Money Mark off the LP Bolero Psychedelicos. Let's turn it up and let the music do the talking. Thank you. 
just wouldn't be a West of Twin Peaks radio without a Psyche Jam set. You just heard the Amsterdam-based Dutch Wave Project Don Melody Club with a new single, Zanti Matil. Before that, it's my turn to Cry, 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 a song from soul psychedelic skateboarders Danny Garcia and Matt Costas and their duo musical project, Reverend Baron. You're listening to West of Twin Peaks Radio on Lost Church Free Radio. Let's keep it in the jam world with Connecticut-based band Goose and a long one off their new LP, Dripfield. This is Hunger Sight.
Hope you enjoyed the full seven-plus minutes of Hunger Sight from the jam band Goose, something you'll probably only hear on West of Twin Peaks Radio. Remember, my guest artist and musical man of many hats, Mickey Darius, is coming up at the top of the hour. But first, I've got one more set of eclectic tunes, starting with local psych legend Kelly Stoltz off his new LP, The Stylist. This is called Steve and the Rats.
universal message of peace.
That David Bowie-esque song called How Cool Are You comes from Scottish six-piece band Walt Disco. Before that, I played British post-punkers Dry Cleaning and Don't Press Me, and the set started off with San Franciscan's Kelly Stoltz and Stephen the Rats. My guest artist Mickey Darius is coming up at the top of the hour following this remix from Oakland's Natronics, Bobbing and Moonrung. The song is called Stranger. Don't go away. My hyper-local hour is coming up next. MJ, thank you for tuning in today to West of Twin Peaks Radio on Lost Church Free Radio. Welcome to my hyper-local second hour in which I typically welcome a guest artist, singer, musician, or band. But today I'm going to pull back the curtain a little bit and peek inside the business of the local music business. My guest is Mickey Darius, owner-founder of Broken Clover Records, 
and owner-founder of the Ivy Agency. And if that isn't enough, he's also the general manager of the Lost Church Music Venue and this very music platform. We have a terrific conversation coming up, sprinkled with music from his many artists, but first, let's listen to one of them. This is the project known as Dreckig out of Portland and a song off an upcoming release called Digital Exposure. The song is La Balena. man in show business. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a lot. So label founder, booking manager, booking agent, and venue general manager. Those were like three of the most precarious positions you could ever have in a pandemic. Yet you're coming out of the gate like so strong these days. How did you pivot during lockdown? And has the business changed in the interim? I would say that, you know, without giving away too much of, uh, you know, the behind the behind the curtain, there's a little bit of kind of needing to keep the percent, like there's a lot going on, but how successful that actually is, is not necessarily, uh, you know, there's the, how it looks outside versus what's happening inside. A lot less people are buying records than I would really like, and then I would really need. And the label's not necessarily self-sustaining at this point 
which is partly why I have so many other things because I kind of look at it all as like one pie. And if as long as this slice is making more, it pays for this other thing. And so like the booking agency sort of helps pay for the label. And th you know, so it's, it's all connected. Um, I feel like as long as I'm still contributing to our ecosystem, it's all kind of connected. So, you know, with all that said, to answer your question, like it wasn't so much a matter of pivoting during the pandemic, but more of just like, what can I do to help? Cause these things, I think all the things I'm doing are important, but what else do I need to do to help being able to keep doing this? Because it's not sustaining itself at this point. Let's get to Broken Clover Records. When, when was it founded? So uh, the business started in 2018. Uh, the first release came out on February 14th of 2019 uh, and has since become a tradition. Every year since the label started, we've put out a release on Valentine's Day. I like the fact that every year there's a holiday uh, that coincides with a release that is based around just the idea of love. And that being something that is in such short supply right now. And uh, I mean, the tagline for the record is record label is we make records and give a shit about humans or give a shit about people. And just that connection to people and that that love, you know, not romantic love necessarily, although not excluding it, but, you know, just this this care and compassion and love for each other is something that's been missed and something that uh, I certainly try and do what I can to lead by example and contribute to um, through the label. So although it's based in the Bay Area and you have a number of uh, local artists, including like Secret MC Society and Carlton Melton and others, it also has quite a, a worldwide span. How did you go? How, how did all these disparate eclectic artists come to one label? How did that happen? Uh, in different ways, um, I would say it started by me not being shy. Uh, and really, I mean, that's, and that's how I've got, how I've connected with a handful of the bands that I work with, uh, domestic and otherwise, just an unsolicited email saying, hey, I love your music and it means something to me. And I run this teeny little label, but the people that buy the records, the music's meaningful for them. And would you have any interest in at least just talking? Uh, and frequently it turns in, you know, it turns in, it turns into something, whether it's, you know, just a new friendship or something. But I mean, I've worked with a handful of artists that way that, uh, and some recognizable names that, you know, really, I didn't really have any right reaching out to <laughs> that, uh, that, but again, it was kind of a testament to just that human element and that love and that care for what we do because I'd like to think that the care that I put into what I do came across to those artists and to those bands. Like, you know what? Like, yes, this isn't Sony or this isn't whatever, but like, here's someone that's going to put as much, if not more care into this package, even though it's just a small, you know, small label. So you've got a couple of releases coming up. Um, one one uh, is June 16th. Fulu Collective. Tell me about them. So Fulu Collective, they are a group out of the Democratic Republic of Congo. So they are one where uh, the shyness did not come into play. So I just basically reached out. I had found they have a group, a sister group called Fulu, uh, Fulu Maziki. And the translation is roughly like trash instruments. 
And so it's this group that uh, in the Democratic Republic of Congo that was making these instruments out of like shoe soles and buckets. And they were creating this insane like psychedelic tribal funk with like outfits and like choreographed dance. It, it was just, I. it was just something that I needed to see right then. Um, I hadn't really seen anything like it. And so I just reached out, it's like, hey, I'm on the other side of the world. <laughs> And just send them a Facebook message because they didn't have a website or anything. It's like, hey, I run this label. Would you, you know, is there anything here? And so they got back to me and said, you know, we've, we've actually just, someone else had the same idea of reaching out. And they got, uh, they got a record deal for this group. But they said, you know, we actually have this other project and it was all electronic stuff. And so it really, it really appealed to me, especially why they found this, because I also produce electronic music. And because there was there was a lot of overlap with my excitement with it and basically you know not having a ton of access to instruments and really being kind of relegated to whatever they could create with electronic sounds all of a sudden that just opens up you can create not only the source sounds but then having digital effects you can then take that sound and tweak it into you know a trumpet sound into all of a sudden sounding like a fighter fighter jet or something you know you can there's all of these things that you can do. And so with money and resources really being a limitation, finding digital music opened up this whole other realm to them that they were able to then express themselves in a, in a completely different yet same way. Like their, you know, their, their message was kind of similar and what they're, you know, what they're getting across is the same, but all of a sudden through this whole other dialect or, you know, other language that they're able to, uh, to communicate with. So it was really exciting to be able to kind of unlock that and now give it a forum to kind of see the light of day. And in August, you've got Drecking coming out with digi Digital Exposure, and they're out of Portland. They've been around around a bit. Did you just like reach out to them in the middle of nowhere and, and see if they were interested? So that one, Drecking was a cool one because it's connected to, I always really like working with artists that, uh, that I've already worked with before. It's important for me that artists want to come back. It's great that we put out one awesome record, but you know, if there's not a follow-up to me, that indicates either that I didn't do something right or or maybe the band, you know, has other, you know, whatever. But when bands come back, to me, that's extra meaningful because it means that, you know, whatever we did, even if the record didn't necessarily sell a thousand copies or a million copies or whatever it is, that what whatever we did was meaningful and like put their art, framed their art in the right way. Um, and so the seventh release that we did uh, was from a group called Pungent. That was a jazz record. And Pungent was led by Papi Fimbres, who also, who, and, and so um, Drekig is Papi Fimbres and his wife, Shana Lindbeck. And so he'd come back to me saying, hey, I've got this other project. Would you have any interest in releasing it? And uh, I was 
thrilled to pieces because I had actually, Poppy and I had been talking about doing another uh, project. I think it was a group called Las Palmas del Sol. And it was kind of like a, kind of lowrider jams, like, but like modern kind of take on it, but kind of like doo-wop-y with a little bit of like kind of psych mixed into it. Uh, and that ended up falling through, but I really wanted to do something with him. Just Poppy's such a crazy good drummer and just, a, he contributes so much, he gives so much of himself to our music world. And so it was really exciting to get to work with him again. And then he brought this, it was like this German psych pop, Mexican dream core, like just this hodgepodge of stuff that like just fit perfectly together. It really like, I, w I was very, like as soon as he sent it, it was like, yes, we're, we're putting this out. Like, yes, we're a hundred percent doing that. Um, so yeah, that one just came to me from, you know, someone that was already in, you know, already on the roster. Uh, and so extra significant because it was someone, you know, that's in the family that really gets what we're doing and wanted to keep doing that and, you know, keep contributing in that way. And another one that's due out this year is by Torpedo out of Lausanne, Switzerland, and their album is coming out September 9th. I am ecstatic about this record. Um, not that I'm not about the others, <laughs> but this record really to me feels- All children are the same, love the well, same. <laughs> truly, and it, it, it's, it's a weird thing where, you know, I would hear people talk about that, you know, that ran labels beforehand. I'm like, no, I'm just gonna have favorites, this and that. And then I kind of started, I'm like, man, I really don't, like they're all, they're, there's no, thankfully none of these records are exactly the same. They're all so they're different. They're all different, like, yeah. I can really appreciate them, but what is really special to me about this Torpedo record? So a couple months ago, I get an email, it's a short email, and it's like five sentences or something, and it's in kind of broken English. It's like roughly, we're, Losan we're, we're Torpedo from Lausanne, Switzerland. We sound like Sonic Youth, Patti Smith, Swans, and Godspeed You Black Emperor. Here's our record. Tell us if you want to put it out. And that, and that was it. And immediately I started to write back like, who the fuck do you think you are? Like these, <laughs> like these bands are like, this is what I grew up on. This is like my, this. Yeah, it's like, how did they get into your brain? Well, yeah, but in, but in my head, it was just like, get in my brain, but also like, how dare you quote, because nobody sounds like these bands, much less all four. Yeah. So in my head, I was already writing this really scathing, just like, who <laughs> do you think you are? And I stopped myself because I'm trying to be a little less confrontational, a little little kinder. Um, and instead I wrote back what in my head was something somewhat dismissive, just like, I'll get to this when I can. Later that night, smoke a little weed and was like you know what i'm gonna give this i'm gonna just check this out just to see really kind of ready to like tear into them whatever and i listened to the first song uh oh my god and i write them back immediately like and i'm halfway through the first song not you know not even finished like oh my god this this is incredible i ended up emailing them five times by the time i'd finished the eight songs i couldn't even contain myself and just write one more email i wrote them five more times I just like, oh my God, this song. Oh my God, this song, this song. Like they nailed it. And they it like, and so all four of those groups 
were groups that had, over the course of my teens and 20s, been really important to like my kind of formation of my music tastes. They were really kind of almost like these pillars in like my record collection of like, oh yes, I love my Patti Smith. I love my Sonic, like especially Sonic Youth. Like that was the big one. I've seen Sonic Youth more than any band in my life. And so, and so yes, long story, still long. Um, Torpedo reached out to me. They had found me through some of the other releases that I put out. So that was really meaningful too, in that it wasn't due to a connection that I had with them personally. It wasn't due to a connection that maybe a friend of a friend, anything like that. It was solely based on the content that we've put out. And it how was a sonic connection. It it was, and um, it it really it felt it was validating. Well, and you have a different sort of business model than most labels. Can you explain that? <laughs> I do. Um, it is not necessarily the most sustainable uh, for a label that's not necessarily doing the best financially, but um, I pay all my artists uh, on the front end. Um, and actually kind of to that end, just to be fully upfront, because things have been slow this past year, um, with the releases coming out through the end of the year, there's had to been uh, conversations with artists of like, can we shift this a little bit? Um, but to your point, up until now, every time we put out a record, we pay the artists on the front end because um, it's insane to me that artists get paid last. Uh, I pay a lot, you know, for making these records, I've got to pay my pressing plant. I don't get to like make records and if they don't sell, only pay for the ones that sold. You know, I got to pay for everything up front. Um, you know, everything that we do, we don't buy a sandwich and then if it, you know, or pay for, you know, get a sandwich. Oh, I didn't want half. Here's half back. And like, yeah, you know, so it doesn't, it seems crazy to me that artists don't get paid on the front end or at least, you know, somewhere closer, Something, but like yeah. having to wait until records sell, like that doesn't, you know, they did the work. So they should get paid on the front end. Days in September. Wish you were here with a case of sangria. with artists in 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 different capacities but your number one thing is you're working with musical artists did you ever find yourself being like psychologist and counselor oh, and cheerleader more times than i can count and and it goes both ways um, there have been a lot of phone calls about the records not selling as well as i want it to do people not like it uh 
oh, well, I made this one record, like nothing's coming next. Oh, am I done? You know, so many things of like, hey, we're dealing with a lot right now. Like, yes. Yeah, so to answer your question, there's there's a lot of handholding um, on for the for the artists, whether it's some of them recording their first record and just kind of walking them through the process and the, the trials and tribulations of just getting a recording made. Um, others are seasoned vets and it's just dealing with the weight of everything going on. Cause it's stressful to make a record. So even if you've done it a million times though, it's still stressful. And then you've got this added weight of the world. And especially now it feels tricky because the world's kind of telling us like, Oh, well, pandemic's kind of over get out there and do your thing and it's like we're still dealing with a the trauma that we've dealt with the past two years as well as it's still not really over for i mean it's not over at all but no. also for <laughs> musicians and people that whose job requires them to be in close contact with people it's far more tenuous than it is for maybe someone who can work remotely or do these things and so i think there is a lot of for these you know for the artists that have been doing it for a while they're still hand-holding because it's even if they've been doing this job for a while, nobody's done the job like it's required or like what is required right now because we've never been in this position. Yeah. Um, and the, but on the flip, there's been a lot of phone calls and you know talking to folks. Oh, or you know, how's the label going, Mickey? You want the real answer? And then I just kind of start like unload and they kind of walk me through and like it's going to be okay. You're doing important things. You're putting the right music out there and the right for the right reasons. Um, so. It, it goes both ways, but yes, there's been a lot of psychologists. Have you been impressed with the resilience of the music community or are you waiting for that to hit in, you know, to, to uh, kick in? I've seen probably both ends of the spectrum for sure. On one hand, I've seen people that I had, and not people I work with, thankfully, but just, you know, in the music world, people that I really, you know, that I had long respected uh that you know kind of looking at through this like really like you can do better you can be better through this you can not only could you be better for yourself but you could be helping so many people that you're missing these easy layups to really help keep our industry going and potentially improve it um there's certainly been some disappointment there but i've seen a lot to you know to your point a lot of people really like showing above and beyond strength for their own selves that have just been served up so many hurdles that somehow they keep jumping over them, like stylishly. Um, and then somehow still finding the time to help other people jump over their hurdles. Like, it, cause they're never looking at it as just one person jumping over the hurdle. It's looking at us jumping over all the hurdles. Um, and so I have seen really, you know, I've been very impressed and very unimpressed with probably, you know, the same same number of people. Whereas, you know, before it kind of felt like everyone, there was outliers, but everyone was kind of in the middle, it felt like doing okay. Now it really feels like there's folks in the middle, but everyone has kind of gone to the, to the edges of really like we've been pushed to the extremes and people have responded, you know, but not always positively, but you know, there's people that have really gone above and beyond to really carry as many, lift up as many people as possible. And other people that are just looking at getting ahead for themselves people are hurting right now and people need these shows aren't just for us they're you know yes we're earning and it's important that you know for for these guys it's work it's not just like it's going out and fun but realizing like people need this this isn't just entertainment for like oh let's go have a fun saturday night 
it really, I mean, not to maybe get deeper than we need to get right this second, but I've lost a number of friends these past two years, um, not to COVID. And a lot of it has been due to feeling this lack of connection and feeling more and more isolated than just being at home, but really isolated from their community and from the things that are important to them that really bring them life. And so I think, sorry, kind of, I'm just thinking about some of the folks. Um, it's really vital, I think, that these things happen. You bring up a really good point in that prior to all this, people were making music, they were they were doing shows, they were doing it for the love of the art, et cetera, et cetera. But I think what really struck people during this past two years is that they were also feeding souls. They were, the the meaning of music has been restored to the industry that completely had lost it before because it was all about shows, money, business, Instagram, social media, and the true meaning of music has been restored to the industry, in my opinion. And that seems to me to be what you're saying is people within the industry are, it's come back to realizing their importance in the world. I would say for some, you know, it's not necessarily across the board, but there, that light I think has at least kind of shown on that, that whether or not it is, actually, I guess I would say is more the light has been shown that music can mean more. That it's not necessarily, you know, that it does mean more to everybody, but I think it's shown that the potential is there to really truly be what you and I both know, that music can be this like spiritual, uplifting, medicinal, like truly like save a life. You know, stuff that has been, I've known since, you know, I was little. Like music, it was more than just like a thing that came on the radio or something. It true, it was just one of the vibrations like of the world. Like, you know, there, I, I don't know how to, to put it into words, but you know, we've known the that it was bigger than just this thing. And I think now it's, we're seeing that more people are seeing that. I mean, this, what a great conversation this has been. I can't let it get, go away, though, without talking about the venue, mm -hmm. which, as I said at the beginning of this interview, uh, this chat, it's like you couldn't have picked three more precarious jobs to have during the pandemic. And, you know, being a GM of a music venue is like one of the tops on the list. Uh, how? How's the Lost Church doing? What's the update there? What's going on with the North Beach location? Give us the download. The Lost Church has been a source of both uh, a little bit of heartache, but also um, optimism. So, you know, it's obviously been hard to see, you know, the, the uh, with our location in San Francisco, with the Cap Street location closing, that was really difficult. Um, I, <laughs> 
I'm a little bit of a crier from time to time, as, as this interview has shown. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I'll admit, like, it was it was a sad thing. Like, you know, I shed some tears over it because it really was a place that not only... It was very meaningful for me just for my own experiences of shows that I've seen there and having friends get to play there. And I've thrown shows there as the promoter, not just working there. Um, but also seeing truly how much it means to the community, how much like that location, uh, it, re it was really hard. So when we heard when that, when those doors were closing, it felt really like, like the kind of walls were falling in. Um, because we had just opened Santa Rosa. And so to like, like we'd have been open for a month. So Santa Rosa closed, San Francisco is closed. It just was like, okay, this is, it's done. Is this done? It really, it, it, it felt like that. And it, it, as much as we internally would say, no, it's not done where we'll find something. The lost church is a, you know, is a feeling and a play, you know, it's not just, you know, within four walls, we'd say that, but it felt like we were kind of saying that to prop ourselves up a little bit. Uh, and so kind of one of the first things we did, I mean, just on top of fundraising to try and, you know, do what we can just to see if we could kind of keep things going was pivot to doing a radio station. And that was kind of the first thing that was like, okay, our community's still there. And I, here's a way, okay. It felt like it was like, we were able to like take a deep breath and like, felt like we were almost like reaching out in the darkness and like holding hands kind of thing. Um, blindly just hoping that someone was was listening and, and it's turned out you know, our community is still there both on the listening level you know we're getting more and more numbers each day that are paying attention to the station um, but also on the contributor level like people that you know almost all of our hosts are people that have uh certain they're all people that have been in the lost church and many of them are people that have been on the lost church stage uh, as you know i'm so thankful to have you uh, on that team as well um but so having this place though where people now like performers that didn't think they were going to get to have a way to kind of do their thing even though it's not the same they were now able to still kind of engage with you know kind of their community and our community in a way not the same way not the way that we would want maybe but a way that we could do it where we weren't killing each other with covid you know like we were yeah. able to stay separated but still express ourselves and connect um then Santa Rosa opened back up and it's been baby steps. It's been a little bit of stop and start. Um, some from the community, you know, as far as like, oh, we want shows. No, we're not quite ready. Oh, we want to go to shows. No, like, you know, there's been that. And then also from us, as far as just how, whether it's safe to throw shows or not. Um, and then on performers, we're getting a lot of cancellations of folks just really feeling like, we thought it was a good idea two months ago when we booked it, but we're seeing all these performers getting sick. That's maybe not, you know, so it's been up and down. Yeah. But overwhelmingly, uh, I would say, like, um, getting people excited or getting kind of that getting community together again, that like connecting people and getting them like, hey, we, we really, like, we need to band together. We need to make this kind of work. So that kind of, Again, through the adversity, seeing people band together to do what they can, and not everybody, but the folks that care about the community, really like, how, how can we make this work? How can we make this safe for each other so that we can still share this and enjoy this together um, and not have to watch another goddamn band on Zoom? Yeah, um, yeah. 
and then anything and then, but that. <laughs> oh my God, I, I, yeah, I won't even go into that. But yeah. Um, and then finally, you know, San Francisco. So we are now looking at reopening. We September or bust. North Beach has has such an artistic, deep artistic history. Um, I couldn't, if you can't be in the mission, I couldn't think of a better neighborhood to be in that has a deep appreciation of many different types of art forms. And I, you know, and that's what North Beach strikes me as. I mean, North Beach and the mission being two of culturally the deepest neighborhoods in San Francisco. Certainly, and yeah, it, feel, it feels, I mean, as much as I'm excited to bring what we're bringing and I feel like the residents around there and just anyone who comes is gonna be lucky to come see our new improved badass self. I also think that we're really lucky to not, like most venues don't get to like, don't get the opportunity to be in one community and make all these amazing connections and then be like, cool, well, now we're gonna take this awesome and move it over here and like share the awesome with you guys now. Like that's something that not, venues, venues don't get to do that really. Well. I'm super happy that the Bay Area music scene has somebody like you, an enthusiastic person, an enthusiastic survivor like you, who who is is 100% dedicated to uh, local artists and smaller artists, not just not just Bay Area, and helping them bring bring them up and and introduce them to the folks. So. I thank you so much for taking the time today to chat with me. It's been, a, a, what a great conversation. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. And I mean, honestly, I can't, I can't, and I wouldn't want to do what I do without people like you caring and not only contributing you with your own contributions to you know our music ecosystem, but the amount of engagement and just care that you put into it uh, and helping, you know, other people uh, doing, you know, what you can to, see this garden that we have you know grow into the as lush and beautiful and verdant uh you know landscape as we can uh it, you know it's not just i i know that you don't look at this as just like oh you know it's kind of fun or enjoyable that's a cool song you know it, it means something to you and so i wouldn't want to and i couldn't do what i do you know without you or other people like you you know doing what you do and engaging in the way that you do so i well, would take that thank you very much and Give it right back to you. Well, thank you. And what do you think we ought to play you off with? Ooh. Who do you think we ought to play you off with? Let's see. You know what? I feel like I feel like something off the Drekig record would be a good, like, it feels like a good kind of vibe. Closure, but also like a, a sunset and a sunrise, kind of all at the same time. Excellent. Let's do that then. Awesome. Take care. Thanks so much. All right, bye, MJ. Bye.
Thanks again to Mickey for taking the time to tell his story and share so much unreleased music with me today. You'll find all the artists you heard on Broken Clover Records on Bandcamp. And you can follow the label on Instagram as well at Broken Clover Records. And of course, be sure to stay tuned to the happenings at the Lost Church, including news of the new San Francisco venue at thelostchurch.org. Let's keep this hyper-local hour humming with new music from San Francisco shoegazers Pure Hex and a single off their new debut full-length LP. This is called Wear Me Down.
it's no good for me I try to take it day by day without comparing to what we used to be I know you'd rather be alone Sometimes it really seems like you've had enough And I take it so personal Like I'm the only one who's screwing up Miscommunication, reconciliation Gets more complicated than we made it all Was it really working underneath the surface? If you won't say it, I won't know Why you never call and tell me when you're mad If I did something wrong, help me understand Why you never call like I treated you bad You'd rather call it off Than save all that we have And that's why you should go, it's getting late Before I get the chance to say what I'm feeling Cause it seems like this ground will break If we don't hide a hurt and then healing Under miscommunication and reconciliation It gets more complicated than we made it all can we keep it working underneath the surface? If you won't say it, I won't know Why you never call and tell me when you're mad If I did something wrong, help me understand Why you never call, like I treated you bad You'd rather call it off than save all that we have
That's the brand new release from San Francisco's lo-fi band Flower Town on Paisley Shirt Records called Half Yesterday. The band is the duo project of well-known SF musicians Karina Gill and Michael Ramos. Before that, you heard a brand new artist on the Bay Area music scene, 16-year-old Anna Harrell and her song, Call. You'll be hearing lots more from her in the coming years. I also played a song called Show Yourself, out by San Francisco-based artist Jennifer Furches, who goes by the project name Spring Summer. And the set started off with Pure Hex and Wear Me Down. I've still got more new Bay Area music to play before my time is up today, so let's get right back into it with a beautiful new tune from former West of Twin Peaks radio guest artist Greg Loacono from the band The Mother Hips, who is working on a brand new solo LP. This pre-release song is called Giving It All Away. There's a train in my brain
calming vibe of the song is from Oakland dream pop band There's Talk, called Ascension Live at the Firehouse, which is really singer Olivia Lee's apartment. That about does it for Wessa Twin Peaks Radio today. Thanks so much for tuning in. You can follow me on Instagram for news of new local music releases and shows at WOTP underscore Radio MJ. Tune in again in two weeks for another brand new episode, next time featuring guest artist Simi Sahota, creator of the vibey indie pop Bay Area project known as Healing Potpourri. Here's a new single off his upcoming LP, Paradise. This is called What Do I Do Now? See you in two weeks. Peace. You're